Good morning, friends and family. Um, my name is Nate, um, and it's a joy to open the book with you this morning. Um, we're going to be in Luke 15, so if you want to put your thumb there, we'll get there eventually. Um, but today, I, my hope and my aim is that you would hear two invitations uh, from God himself through his word by the Holy Spirit. It's rejoice with me is the first. Rejoice with me. And I'm, we're, we're aware that that may land on some of us very differently. Some of us are not rejoicing this morning. Um, but there's, there's a nuance that we are so complex with the Holy Spirit within us that we can be sorrowful yet rejoicing. And so that's my prayer this morning, if that is you. So rejoice with me. Jesus and God the Father are saying to us, inviting us into, rejoice with me. The second invitation is to join me in what I am doing and have been doing since the time began. Um, so there is uh, these two great invitations. Um, and if you think like, okay, we are one little blip on this planet right now entering into this mighty river of worship all over this globe, the church is getting together and they're opening the book and their hearts are reawakening. They're, they're crawling into this space together and they're hearing from their Lord because we have another long week ahead of us. We are, we are at this place, this unique place in church history where the project is not done. We are midway through, maybe. We don't know. But we have work to do. But we, we are so filled with our own need and our own sense of emptiness and insecurity without the Lord. So we need the Lord to help us here today. But you know that all around the world there are Christians entering into worship with us. Did you know that the fastest growing church that we're aware of is in Iran among former Muslims? It's unbelievable. All over India, I keep hearing of just movements happening where Hindus and others are coming to be aware of the God who created them, who loved them and sent his son to die for them. And they're turning to Christ in amazing numbers. There's Joshua Project is tracking 1,375 movements to Christ all around the globe. So God is doing something that many of us may be oblivious to because we're in our own little sphere, which is okay because God has called each of us to focus. But we need to be encouraged that he's doing a work and it's his heart for this gospel to go to the nations. And do, do you realize that we are part of the nations? This isn't where it started. So we are actually part of the fruit of what God has been doing. So let's begin though. So, uh, so when I say join me, God is saying join me, join me. This is an invitation into the participation. So we're participating. Uh, of the continuation, this is something he started and Jesus fulfilled, and we are now continuing. The, the baton is being passed to us. 
of the manifestation of the love of the Father. So, the love of the Father has been with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit from all eternity past. And now this love is being spilled out into this world whenever we love the lost, love a brother or sister. It's, it's God's love that actually found its way into our heart somewhere. And it's now seeping out of us in our acts, in our words. Um, so he's inviting us to participate, to continue, and to take this thing that has been with the Father from all eternity past and to put flesh on it so that our neighbors experience what God is like. So that those who are far away from God might see someone coming near to them, not afraid of their quote-unquote lostness, but carrying this hope of good news. All right, so how the, the manifestation of the love of the Father comes through the seeking of the lost. Um, it's not the only way, but we see that when the lost are sought after, when someone has the gospel and they take it to someone else, um, there's a special degree of the Father's love that is being carried to them. They are, they are, they're seeing this message with two feet coming after them, loving them. And that's when people start to wake up. Um, we know this because this is what Jesus did. He didn't send us just a letter. He sent us a letter and then he came in the flesh. And he spoke their words so they could understand. So it's through the seeking of the lost that the manifestation of the love of the Father is known. And it's especially, especially, he's inviting us especially to enter in and participate and continue among the, the lost and especially among the unreached people groups of the world. So there are lost people all around us. You go to the Nashville Soccer Club and you're surrounded, you hear their conversations in the, during a game, and you're just aware that, oh my goodness, this city is full of people whose hearts are beating after different things. They're worshiping different gods. They are fixated on different things than what we may be fixated on. Lostness is everywhere. It's in your neighborhood. It may be in your family. But especially the lost among the unreached people groups of the world. So um, we're going to discover this morning that the more we rejoice with God, the more we actually join Him in what He's doing around the world, and we actually become a little bit more like Him uh, with a growing heart for the lost around us. So um, let's, let's begin by remembering what we mean when we say lost. Um, by just backing up, let's recap this story. So God was there in the beginning, and he created a world full of his glory and goodness. And the apex of his artistry is Adam and Eve, creatures made in God's image. And what does God say to them? He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? With his image, with, with his glory. So he's filling the earth with worshiping creatures made in his image, reflecting his worth to the cosmos. This has been God's aim from the beginning to craft a world like that, brimming with his glory and delight. And his aim has not changed, friends. 
We read in Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, as we know, the plot thickens if we read Genesis 3, when God actually loses the hearts of his worshiping creatures. So we, the human race, went astray and became wanderers, worshiping ourselves and other gods, always wandering, wandering away from the Maker. Sin filled our hearts, and we became sinners. And we've passed on sin to every generation, generation after generation. So we have filled this earth. The earth is full of nearly 8 billion people, all of them bearing the image of their maker. But it's a a distorted image because these images are living lives where they are um, denying, rejecting, or just indifferent to the glorious creator God. So we are lost. The world is lost. Now some of us has been, have been found, but do you remember what your life was like before this story changed everything and you realized that God was drawing near to you through Jesus Christ? It's so, it's so good to remember what it's like to be lost uh, because we're filled with empathy towards our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers. So the question is, how does God respond to his creatures' lostness? He pursues them from the beginning. He goes to them in the garden, knowing what it would cost one day. So we see this theme, and ultimately, God chooses the few for the sake of the many. We see this by God choosing one man in his family, Abraham, and his blessing coming to this man, But even from the beginning, we see that it wasn't just terminating on this man and his family. Uh, This is Genesis 12, 1 through 2, and chapter 15, verse 5. I'm going to read it. Um, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is 15 verse 5. And God brought Abram outside and he said, Look up, look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And he didn't have a son. And he was near death. Look at the stars, Abraham. Did you know, we, we asked Siri last night, how many stars there were in the universe said 10 to the 22nd power. Um, We found somewhere it said there's 2 trillion galaxies, potentially. We've, in the observable universe, there's 170 billion galaxies. That's a lot of stars. If you can count them, so will your offspring be. So God is doing something in the world that's so glorious and so encouraging and so um, it should make us pound the table because God is up to something. So, but now if we just stop and we we take a look at the world right now, um, some 2,000 some years after Jesus came, what is the state of the lostness of the world? Uh, This is coming from Um, joshuaproject.net. So the numbers are staggering. They're daunting. They kind of suck the the air out of you. Um, If you look at a pie chart of the world, 
58% of the world has been reached, meaning that there is a healthy, vibrant, multiplying church of Jesus that are making disciples. Um, and so 58% of the world has been reached, but 42% of the world is unreached. What does unreached mean? Um, Rick Warren describes unreached people groups as uh, no Bible, no body of Christ, uh, no believers. No Bible, no believers, no body of Christ. Think about who shared the gospel with you. It was likely a believer. Where did you go once you met Christ? You went to a body of Christ somewhere that was preaching the, the Bible. And there was a Bible in your language. So there are entire people groups without any of those. So that's what, when I say especially the unreached people groups, there's, there's lostness and then there's lostness. And they're really lost. So that just means that our attention and our focus and the, well, at least our awareness needs to be shifted towards this great need. Um, and, and we can all get involved at some level with the unreached people groups of the world. So um, if you, they, and this, is, this happened in, I, I can't remember the year, but at some point they shifted from breaking everyone down from nations, states, into people groups. So basically they divided it all up by language. So there are 17,409 people groups, all different languages in the world. 7,402 of those people groups are unreached. So uh, this was a few years ago. God called my family to serve uh, one people group, uh, uh, an East African people group. So if you just look at our people group, we're looking at 26 million people in the world worldwide. And uh, we're estimating around 1,000 believers among those 26 million. So we have something, but we're we're, it's not enough. And so we're, we're pouring our labor into that small problem. So the numbers are overwhelming, but this morning I want to help us by listening to John, or Luke, excuse me, Luke 15, 1 through 10. Uh, I want to refresh ourselves with, with God's mighty heart to pursue his lost ones in this massive world with the confidence that he is up to something glorious. Um, and, and my prayer is that God would help us to take the next right step with him towards the lost around us. So Luke 15, verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? 
And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Uh, Right off the bat, we see that the tax collectors and the sinners are drawing near to Jesus. Um, and it's, it's, it's really shocking, especially to the Pharisees and the scribes. Um, and they attribute it to his message or to his, his lack of moral seriousness. But there's something about Jesus. He is, it says in John 1 verse 14 that he is full of grace and truth. That's alluring to the lost. Grace and truth, both together in the, the embodied man of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's what we need. It's what we crave, grace and truth. It gives life. So if you think, just when we sit with Jesus in person, it's going to be so disarming. Um, it's not going to be anything like meeting a famous person for the first time, though there may be some of that before. When he breaks the ice, all we're, we're disarmed. Uh, he, he, he disarms us, and there's going to be this comfort, this safety. Sinners are safe with Jesus, friends. Sinners are safe with Jesus. Tax collectors are safe with Jesus. Jesus changes us not with a whip, but with a welcome and a meal. He's got a big table. And there's a lot of us all around there. But, so we see that in contrast with the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, um, we see grumbling. What is grumbling? They're grumbling. He receives, he welcomes, and eats. Um, so we see the Pharisees and the scribes grumbling. Grumbling opposes God and his mission, his Christ and his message. They mock the sinners and hate the tax collectors These grumblers are clueless to their own lostness. They've forgotten what it means to be lost. Um, The thing is, when we grumble, we feel righteous. Um, it, It feels deserved. Grumbling is what happened in the wilderness when God's people grew tired of manna and ached to return to Egypt, where at least there was some food. The irony of these grumblers, they are staring at the Savior and don't know they're lost. They're invited to the party, but they refuse to come in. They're the kids that are wandering away from the parent and the crowd, oblivious to their plight. Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. I can't fathom sitting at the same table with that guy. He's, he's welcoming these sinners. Uh, like, is there, is there someone, is there a category of person where if we saw him at Jesus' table, if we were honest with ourselves, we would say, I, I got to pass. I, I'll wait until he clears that table, and then I'll go up. Will we pass by because of who's with Jesus? They might say, I can't respect Jesus because of the filth he endorses by his nearness to it. So these, they're keeping score one way. They're celebrating their law-keeping, their purity, their staying back, their chosenness. But God's keeping score in a completely different way. His scorekeeping is this. How many sinners are repenting? 
the recovery of the lost makes the angels of heaven go wild. So what's the antidote to grumbling? It's rejoicing. How do we fix the grumble within is that we enter in and we, we hear the invitation and we rejoice with the one who's rejoicing. It's like going to the game, you're entering into the praise of whatever just happened, even if you're not a fan. You're kind of just attaching yourself until you suddenly find yourself becoming a fan. Um, it's, it's going to the concert of someone you've never heard of and you see everyone just going crazy and you just enter into that worship and then suddenly you start to enjoy what they are worshiping. Um, so let's allow the joy of heaven to pull us in and let's rejoice with God who rejoices in the lost recovery. So uh, before we jump on these guys too much more, uh, the question is, is this us? Well, this is the world we live in. We know how to grumble. And I, I've seen the seed of this in my own heart as I'm preparing. I, the maskers, the anti-maskers, the vaxxers, the anti-vaxxers, the conspiracy theorists, the Marxist commies, racists and the anti-racists, the insurrectionists and the anti-fascists, this past year has been a master class in grumbling. We're, we've been viewing the other side from wherever we sit as beyond comprehension. And we're all guilty of this at some level. There, there may be a seed in it if it's not us full-blown. Because I know I am. Um, what we need to ask ourselves through this parable is, do I celebrate what God celebrates? Does what makes heaven erupt in joy make my heart leap for joy? See, you see, rejoicing with the Father realigns us. And this is why we're still here. It's not finished. He's not done with us. So we constantly need to realign ourselves towards this mission. So, okay, what, is, what happens next in, these, in, in the passage is Jesus tells them these parables. So that he's speaking to the grumbling. And he tells them the story. And it's a familiar story. Uh, he takes something that we've all experienced and he reveals a priceless reality. He's opening a window for us to peer into heaven, and what we see may change us. His stories resonate with the listeners because we've all lost something at some point, something precious and important and vital. Many of us have lost someone, so we know the agony of loss. Love does not tolerate lostness. Love does not sit by with the smugness of indifference when what it values and treasures is lost. When something is loved, we move mountains to rescue it, especially when it's in danger. We know this instinctually. He's not, this is not a great revelation. He's using something that's just instinct. Um, but the response of heaven is not our instinct. All right? Uh, so just, I, I, it made me think of a few stories just from, uh, so my, my, my daughter, she has a treasure, and uh, it's, a, it's her pillowcase. So at my house, there are no pillowcases in our house. Um, and if it's bedtime and she can't find the pillowcase, the search party goes out. So there's no pillowcases on any, pillowcase, any pillows in my house because they're all in her bed just to be safe and make sure that none of them are lost. 
Um, it made me think of another story. My, so my son was about to, and we were at the zoo. And if you've been to the zoo, they have this massive, awesome playground. But it's kind of like this labyrinth of death taunting the adults if you've never been there. You're just like, where? you don't know where the beginning or the ending is, or uh, is it closed on the backside? You don't know. Um, and my son, he, he, was, he just would take off. And uh, so I was on one side of the playground. He goes through a tunnel. I go around, and he's gone. Um, and what, what, what came next was the next 10 minutes of I, the worst I've ever felt as a father. I can't find my son. Um, so we throw up the red flag. I find Alyssa. We, I, uh, we find the zookeepers. Uh, 10 minutes. That's what it felt like. I'm not sure how, what, what the time was, but um, I, I was not okay that my son was lost. I was not okay until he was found. It's that same sense the father feels towards his sons and daughters. He's not waiting to see if they become his sons and daughters. He has sons and daughters out there in the world among these unreached people groups and he's not okay until they're found. Um, just like we're not okay with anything we treasure being lost. Um, and, and now God is not like me. God is not afraid. God knows. God goes. God does. God gets his boy. God gets his girl. But love does not sit back with indifference when sons and daughters are missing in. And, and God's love does not sit on the side. His invitation for us this morning is to join him in what he's doing. And the exciting thing is that this makes us come alive because this is thrilling. It's thrilling when you find someone who's open to the good news. And you're like, I never would have thought you would respond like that. It, it shocks us out of our, our callousness. But he's doing it. Um, so let's look at, so, so something's lost. And in these stories, we see a search happening. So let's just, uh, we're just going to observe the search and ask kind of like what, so joining him. He's also asking us to join in, right? What might that look like? So we see with a shepherd who, he leaves the 99 in the open country, to go after the one that is lost because he knows that that sheep is not wandering back. He's got to go and he's in real danger if, if he doesn't go. But the, you think about the leaving the 99, so there's some instability. It's hard to leave 99 in the open country. What, they may leave too. So you're set on one thing but you're still worrying about this over here. It's, so there's risk. Um, there's instability. There's, it's not comfortable doing this. There's no comfort when you're going after the one that's lost. But love compels to risk for the sake of the reward. The reward's too great to ignore the one that's gone missing. Um, so he, we see that he doesn't give up. It says until, um, until he's found. Um, so the search is costly, time, energy, focus. It's this whole soul focus until the mission is accomplished. This is not God's hobby, guys. This is what he's doing. He's got the trajectory of God's purpose has been to include the people who have yet to hear. Um, we look at the woman. So she, she stops her routine and she turns the house inside out to find this coin. She lights a lamp. She takes 
a light into the dark places. God's sons and daughters are in very dark places, daunting places, places that are intimidating, places that are ruled by the enemy. But she takes a light with her. She doesn't stumble around in the darkness. She's got to see. So God has equipped us with the light of Christ, and he's going with us on this mission. And he, he promises to never leave us or forsake us on this mission. And she sweeps the house, so she doesn't know where. She's just going inch by inch until she finds it. So what does that mean? We don't know who the sons and daughters are, so we tell everyone. We don't say, maybe chosen, maybe chosen, more inclined to, maybe. We, we, we'd love to do that. We're in, our default is actually to lean towards that, but it's just inch by inch until you find, wow, oh, we got fruit over here. Oh, we got... We've got something popping up over here. God's kingdom is coming over here. Let's go shift over focus. Where's God working? Um, so, and she doesn't give up. She seeks diligently until she finds it. It's, um, so rejoice with me. So back to the story of my son. You know, minutes later, I see the stranger up on, and it was at the top of this playground, lifting my son up like Simba. And so I, I run to him. I, 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 I grab him, I kiss him. I was filled with relief and joy. And that's what's happening in heaven when one sinner repents. In heaven where God is, where the angels of God who are created to worship the one, they erupt with joy. This is, they're watching. (laughs) They're watching as you take cookies to your neighbor to be friendly. He's, they're watching. They're celebrating. It's riveting. Why? Why? I kept asking this week. We're going to answer that why in a minute. But um, So the, the lost are found because they go, because they search, and they don't give up, and they find it, and they return home. And, and it, you can't miss this. It's a little strange to us because it's a sheep and a coin, but they say, they call out. The call goes out. They rejoice. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. So do you also see just so in these, both of these parables, the emotion of joy you feel when you find what you are looking for. Jesus shows us that this is a shadow and echo of God's heart when sons and daughters are rescued. So there will be joy. There will be more joy when one repents than over 99 who need no repentance. Uh, before the angels of God, this is a public celebration. If you want to know what someone values... You look at what they celebrate, and God is celebrating the lost coming home, revealing that this is one of God's values. He, God values what Jesus embodies and what Jesus is doing. So again, why, why is heaven erupting in joy when one sinner repents? Like, isn't God holy? These are sinners repenting. Let's think of Isaiah 6. If, you, if, if you've read it, it's, it's this amazing scene where the holiness of God is filling the temple with glory and these creatures with six wings, of two they fly and two they cover their face, two they cover their feet. 
they, they sing out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this is the throne room that erupts with a tsunami of joy when one sinner repents. Why? Revelation 5.9, For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Because of Jesus, because of his work, because of his mission, because of his purpose, because of God is so tied together the salvation of sinners with his own glory that they're one and the same now. So when we get saved, God gets glory, and that's why heaven's rejoicing. We are in this room because God is like that. His invitation this morning is, will you rejoice with me? So, okay, this, these two parables uh, were written with a third. So there, it's, it's, it's three. They all go together. And if you've read the, pre- the parable of the prodigal sons, um, the lost sons, um, we're going to end thinking about this last parable. And if you haven't read it in a while, I encourage you to go home, read it, enjoy it. But, so Jesus tells us one last parable right after these, and it's well known. If you have, um, the reason a holy God is celebrating the returning home of lost sinners is because there was another son, the greatest son who left the home with his father and journeyed to a faraway land. He didn't squander the father's property with reckless living, but he did lavish the father's love on the lost sons and daughters who were far from home. This son spent everything he had. He laid down his life in love so that these lost brothers and sisters could return home with him to the great father. And when this great son made his return home, he was not practicing his I'm sorry speech as he journeyed home. He was anticipating the praise of the Father who sent him. And if we just reimagine Luke 15, 20 through 24, as if it was Jesus returning home, this is an imagination, so bear with me. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Father, My brothers and sisters have sinned against heaven and before you. I have taken their curse upon myself. I've become the curse. And in that state, I'm no no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He went to seek the lost, and he's home now. And they began to celebrate. So our Lord Jesus made this journey to bring us back to God. And as the Father sent him, he is sending us uh, to, to your family, to your kids, to your neighbors, to your co-workers, we are sent ones. Um, and he's, he's inviting us, will you join me? Will you rejoice with me as you go? Um, just remember the joy of heaven is tied to this rescue. Let's get involved right where we are, seeking, serving, praying, going, giving, 
to see Christ treasured among the nations. Um, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Psalm 67, verse 4. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we give ourselves to you. We thank you that you came after us. We thank you that you have given us a, a place to live and to work and to gather. And we ask that you would reignite, reawaken, um, re, um, help us to remember, help us to join you in what you're doing not only here, but also around the world. Father, I ask that you would raise up an army of prayers from this room. Father, I ask that you would um, grow our hearts to pray for the unreached people groups, that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers to go. Uh, Father, I ask that for those in here who you are calling to go, um, I ask that you would give them ears to hear that and that you would provide the way. Oh, we thank you so much for your son. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling us and going with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.